Quantum Kickflip is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Previously on Quantum Kickflip. The Turbodendron is a rare flower that blooms once every reality. The nectar of the Turbodendron allows you to become attuned to the fabric of space-time. It's not a drugs thing, it's just like a, a an interdimensional travel thing. Like, the nectar doesn't get you high. The pollen gets you high. It's looking like some wild interplanar stuff is about to go down. You do not want to be in the golden jungle right now. Interplanar anomalies are very much a upsetting memory. Subsonic Sentinel? Yeah, yeah. Did you meet did you meet Scott? He's the new member of the crew. I mean, it's got to be hard for you because di- didn't you like your dad get lost in another dimension or something? Like, you know, I get it if you're scared. I'm not scared. Nick looks at the coordinates. He's mm-hmm. got Angus's phone in his hand, and then he teleports away. The Turbodendron is completely surrounded by metallic-skinned, four-armed figures in dark robes, all of whom are staring directly at you. Everybody and welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster podcast. My name is Robin. I am your Slug Master Game Blaster, and uh, I'm going to be running the show. With me are five of my best and most hilarious friends, and they are going to introduce themselves to you now in the order of how many Canadian provinces they have visited uh, in total. G- yeah, go. Six. Six. I, I've got seven. Go, Michael. My name is Michael Vetch. I'm here playing the Smarts Playbook, Nick Lowe, who is the sword-wielding, uh, uh, wall-running, anime-loving adventure boy, who has also been pretty angsty and, and a little down on himself about how he feels about him and his team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Liam. I'm playing Lake Marsden. She is the Heart Playbook, the uh, her reality cannon, her signature weapon, backfired many months ago and glitched out the whole right side of her body. Uh, She's got a lot of baggage about it. It happened right here in the Golden Jungle. Hello, I'm Lena Anderson, and I am playing Angus Franklin. He has the skip mode runners, which help him move faster and slower through time. And contrary to what you might think from this run, he is the Guts playbook. No one else. Angus is the Guts. Hey, what's up? My name is Glenna Showalter. I'm playing Elliot Buchanan. She is the chill playbook. She is an aspiring singer, songwriter, rock and roller uh, who likes hanging out with her friends. Hello, my name is David Ray, and I am playing Chester Capone, who is the grit playbook. And, uh, you know, he is just in this golden jungle just trying to uh, get his science project done. That's right. I forgot that that was your main motivation here. (laughs) Yeah. And as I mentioned, I am your your host and your GM, Robin, and I have uh, have heard many tales of the mysterious land known as Canada, and I hope to visit it someday. I hear you you can truly make something of yourself there. It's the <laughs> land of opportunity, uh, but alas, today is not that Canadian day. Canadian American dream. Yeah, the great <laughs> Canadian melting pot and such. Ugh, no. Anyway, <laughs> we're into it. <laughs> We're doing we're doing slug blaster times. Uh, yeah, uh, last time was uh, oh boy, quite the tense session. You guys, uh, it started off 
reasonable enough. You were going to meet up with your pals Jet Collective, your new new best buds, and uh, go see the blooming of the Turbodendron, a flower that blooms once per reality. It all sounded pretty dope, uh, but uh, a short planar eclipse and challenge by your rival crew later, you guys were were split up and, and fractured, and uh, Nick ran off on his own, took Angus's phone, and bolted towards the Turbodendron. The rest of you were on a uh, rescue mission or a revenge mission, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> also, Subsonic Sentinels running around getting into trouble. Uh, and when we left off, uh, you guys had just encountered uh, quite the challenge. Uh, we'll get into that in a moment, but uh, I have I have a question before that. Are you ready to play Slug Blaster? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> We've never done this before. I don't know why I did that. Cool. Uh, then I transport you now back to the plane of the Golden Jungle. find yourselves back in that same small clearing, heavily shaded by overhanging jungle canopy, where you just bore witness to the blooming of the Turbodendron. The awe it inspired is regrettably short-lived, as you are now face-to-face with a group of robed Thenis Spartians you recognize as the Arborists. There are seven of them in total, all gathered around the flower, and one of them is holding a large, cylindric object with a dial at one end. Several others carry long silver poles that come to threatening-looking points, and nearby, a metallic column has been jabbed into the ground at a slight angle. It has a similar design to the ones being carried by the arborist, but it's thicker, heavier, and adorned at the top with a softly glowing crystal that casts everything in an eerie orange light. At the base of this column, unconscious and bound together back-to-back, are Jason and Kabir of Subsonic Sentinel. The monks have spotted Lake Angus Chester and Elliot, however, Nick remains undetected for the time being. The clearing has a strong floral smell, and the air is hot, humid, and filled with tension. So I, I want to just be like, what do you do? But I think we need to take it in stages here, because Nick, you are currently sticking to the shadows. The last move you had taken, you had consciously decided not to alert your friends to your presence, and instead had invoked an ability on your sneakers to allow you to move uh, move in, in shadow. So I believe you are still at this moment undetected unless you've chosen to reveal yourself. Uh, you also witnessed all the same things that the rest of the group did, but just from a slightly more hidden vantage point. So yeah, I want to check in with you first. What's what's Nick up to? Yeah, I don't think that Nick would have uh, revealed himself back to the rest of the group yet. He's, he's, he's like a, a little ashamed that he ran off on his own. He, he's not quite sure how to broach that whole thing yet. But uh, in terms of what he's doing, you mentioned that we had all sort of borne witness to the blooming of the Turbodendron. I was wondering, would Nick have had a chance uh, from his hidden position to be able to to film it and stream that over, say, the the Weird Gravity's MyPage account? Yeah, I I think that's totally fair. I have a feeling that the other ones are busy being, you know, spotted and confronted by Arborists. Um, but Nick, from his vantage point, I think that's totally reasonable that you'd be able to to catch a little bit of that on film. Yeah, I think it even, like, maybe has some, like, you're absolutely able to film it and stream it and it's clear what's going on, but it's also, like, like watching it with your eyes, it's a beautiful flower blooming that is has, like, weird shifting colors and incandescent uh, sort of glow to it. On film, it looks particularly trippy. Like, the image is sort of warping and staticking and, like, it's doing weird stuff to the signal. But it is coming through. You're able to, uh, to stream that. I think he's made his way sort of in the shadows and he... Like part of trying to get to the flower on his own was to prove that both he and and by by way of that weird gravity were enough to take on the challenge of going through the eclipse to 
to see the Turbodendron capture that. So I think he's been fully prepared to film it for the whole approach here. And he gets up into the trees, captures the full moment. And after it's all done, he stops for a moment. He's like, what do you think of that, subsonic sentinel? And then the camera just happens to pan down to Jason and Kabir tied up. And he goes, oh, oh, no. End of stream. <laughs> yeah, with that with that important business out of the way, what uh, what's Nick's next maneuver here? I guess uh, have the has the rest of the crew actually entered the clearing from here? Like, would he would he be able to see them walking in? Yeah, I think so because the whole thing was that there are uh, hyper hornets outside of the clearing that couldn't seem to like pass into the center. I think you guys would have had to move past that and and uh, subsequently into the clearing. So yes, I believe you can see your friends have entered, uh, and I think you can also see that they have been spotted by these arborists. I think, in a way, Nick is still running in stealth mode. Then, and while the attention's on the rest of his crew, he's gonna make his way over and try and free up Subsonic Sentinel. Then let's put a pin in that for now. We're gonna catch up with that and get your like you can give you a second to think about. Uh, how exactly you're you're planning on doing that. Mm-hmm. Let's jump over to the rest of the crew. Jump over a few feet to where <laughs> your four <laughs> friends are standing. Yeah, weird gravity. You see these arborists in front of you. Uh, they've gathered around the flower, but they have noticed you. As I did mention in the opening, several of them are carrying like long silver poles with points on them. Uh, and I think those particular arborists start to sort of advance upon you or advance towards you. I don't suppose any of you still have one of those... Uh... Lobe globes from Thenispar? Uh, no, I don't. Nope, globe. <laughs> no. <laughs> mm. Well, l- l- let's see if we, uh, if I can talk it out with them. And I step forward, like, f- in my armor and everything. Uh, hey, you can't have those guys tied up. You gotta let them go. The moment you step forward, like, all of them flinch. Like, all of them, they go from, like, calmly aggressive of, like, you know, Y'all better not get any closer. And as soon as you take a step, they're all on high alert kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, you're just going to let them go. Right. And I walk a little bit closer. Uh, one of them takes out a uh, an orb from inside their robes. It's a, It looks a little different than the other ones that you've seen. The, the previous ones in Thenispar were metallic and opaque. Uh, this one is translucent and you can see some sort of fluid inside. And before you can even react, they throw it. But not at you. At the ground in front of them. Uh, the uh, underbrush and foliage and, and the uh, the thick vines coming off of the uh, turbodendron plant that are hit with this uh, sphere that shatters on contact and, and douses them all in this sort of dark blue liquid uh, begins to rapidly grow and uh, branch out and, and into uh, tendrils as you watch. Uh, so the arborists are like still standing around as everything's growing? Um, that's a good point, actually. The one in the back that was carried, I mentioned one of them had like a big cylinder with a dial, uh, has moved in towards the flower and sort of inserted that cylinder. And it looks like he's, he's doing something with the flower. Um, but the, the, what there are, uh, let's say three of them have sort of advanced towards you. Uh, and, uh, one of them has, has started doing some sort of, uh, botany at you. (laughs) (laughs) I, well... It looks like I'm gonna have to punch y'all in the face. <laughs> and like I, Chester's uh, uh, catchphrase. <laughs> uh, you know, once again, my my boots are like acting like hover skates, and I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna just start 
clotheslining them, uppercutting, doing everything I can. And, uh, yeah. We're going to throw some hands. Okay. Um, uh, I think Elliot's going to just take off her backpack and open the top and get ready to, to VoIP somebody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it worked last time. Why not? Yeah. You said Jason and Kabir were tied up. Where Whereabouts are they sort of in relation to us? Yeah, so they are closer to the arborists than they are to you. Mm-hmm. There's three arborists close to you. There's four back around the flower, and somewhere in the middle between the two, uh, there is a large metal column that has been jabbed into the ground. It's got a glowy crystal at the top, and it's got Jason and Kabir sort of tied back to back at the bottom, and they are currently unconscious. I'm going to say they're like their wrists are bound together on either side kind of thing. So I am going to take a shot at Jason and Kabir's situation. Uh, using my concept inverter. Oh, wonderful. I would like to invert the concept of being bound uh, to being uh, freed, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. I love that. Um, the the thing with the dial on it, what what's that made of? Their, their vibe has been pretty metallic and silver, so let's say it is also metallic and silver. Okay. I want to shoot it. Okay. Let's let's even go this um, metal and and some like some glass portions. Uh, it's like it doesn't look like it's you know. <laughs> it's shootable. <laughs> it's shootable. Exactly. That's what I'm trying yeah. to get across. You you get I got me. you. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, a lot of you are trying to do you know either your concept inverter works or it doesn't. Either you shoot it or you don't. Uh, Chester is the only one that has like sort of a progressive goal that may take multiple steps. So we're gonna uh, make a progress track for taking out the arborist it like it's kind of odd because a lot of our progress tracks have been like you have to get to the end of this word to do what you're doing you don't have to beat up every member of the arborist but i will make a progress track in case that's something you end up wanting to do uh we will keep track of how many of them you have beaten up uh arborist isn't seven letters long is it well one of them's gonna be extra tough Right, right, right. So this is something I have to do. (laughs) It is the point of the mission, and you'll fail science if you don't. (laughs) Oh, that's a good point. I I still got to complete my science project. That's later. Right now, I'm going to go run forward. I'm going. uh, I'm going to add uh, an extra die uh, to this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to try to look cool. I want to get some hip checks in there. You know, I want to, like, a drop kick at some point. It would be sweet. Um, you know what? I'm going to give two uh, two dice to this. Yeah, all right. Let's get this roll. I got a three, five, and a six. Unequivocal success. Uh, Chester fires up his, uh, his boosters and his armor. And describe to me uh, you just absolutely bodying one of these <laughs> arborists. I... This is like one of the few times that like I, I'm getting used to these skates. So I think I'm going to go in and I'm just going to go really low, knock them over, the classic hit toss, and uh, maybe move on to the next one and just a good old left hook. I know that there's a long progress bar, so that's all I probably do at this point. Yeah, exactly. So I think you um, you slam into the first one and and this guy goes down because like they're not you know they're not big beefy fighter boys. They're a religious order. Um, so yeah, you, you crumple this one into a heap and it does not look like he's getting back up. The second one, you, you hit him with your left hook, uh, and he kind of absorbs it and looks back and he's, he's looking even meaner than before. He's maybe got some metallic blood 
dripping from the one lip, and it looks really cool because it's like regular blood, but it's like shiny. Uh, <laughs> but does not get a chance to hit you back or, or otherwise uh, create any repercussions for you because that was a complete success. So you just you just get away with it. Uh, yeah, Angus, let's get that shot. Uh, tell me what you're adding to it, and and uh, and let's get a roll. Sounds good. I'm gonna uh, get some turbo for my skip mode runners. I'm just gonna add a die. Uh, I'm not going to do kick yet. Uh, I'm trying to look cool in that I am trying to convey the aura of do not cross me as I uh, shoot to hopefully destroy this dial. I rolled a three. So Angus uh, levels his blaster there. Yeah, you know what? Maybe it's even a consequence of Jester's move that like this guy goes down like a sack of bricks and just the impact of him hitting the ground near your feet kind of throws off your shot a little bit. You, you had zeroed in on that cylinder, but it, it said it said it glances just beside, and and you see a scorch mark in a tree in the background, uh, some some smoke rising up, and uh, the the one holding the cylinder looks alarmed, but also you know all the more focused in in his task, and you see as he begins to turn that dial, the cylinder begins to fill up with like a glowing pink viscous liquid. The, it's like casting light out of the glass segments of the cylinder. Uh, as he as he collects the nectar of the hyperdendron turbodendron turbodendron hyper hornet i got this i know my own lore <laughs> i think uh yeah i think as you do this um you know the the one continues in his task one of the ones up closer to you sees this shot go off and is not having that jabs his pokey stick into the uh vine that was rapidly starting to grow and swell uh, but as you watch, he's sort of uh, manipulating and turning the pole. And as he does so, the vine goes from just sort of branching out and expanding in a wild fractal pattern to pointedly coming directly towards you. What is it with you and tendrils, Angus? You're always getting getting <laughs> in trouble with tendrils. It's a phase. I'll get over it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm going to use my causality hoop. Okay. Mark one boost. You can roll to skip back in time a few seconds to retry an action. Oh, boy. <laughs> it does say I have to roll to skip back in time and then retry the action. Nice. So it's going to be multiple. Yeah, absolutely. Does it have to be the exact same action or is it like you can retry something within that moment? I would interpret it that way that like you can you can skip back in time and then like if for whatever reason you wanted to not shoot the thing and shoot something else instead, you would have that option available to you. Like, <laughs> okay. If the way in which time travel works is that everything's mm. on a predestined path, your signature device is not very useful to you. <laughs> um, okay. Hype, hype dice. Oh, hope so. a hype die, you say? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I shall take a hype die uh, if it pleases the team. Please. Uh, Yay, and barely. <laughs> Cool. Uh, I will roll two d six. I am. Uh, I had to mark one boost as well to use the causality hoop, so I am running out of resources. So it will just be the two d six for now. Sure. And I rolled a six. Amazing. Yay. You uh, feel, and I, I get the feeling that this is less of a like you blink back to a point in the past and very much a rewind. So, like you feel time go backwards. Like an old VHS, you're you're watching the world rewind around you. Absolutely. And then you uh, you shake it off, and you're you're back uh, a few seconds in the past. The vine has not yet been directed to attack you. The uh, cylinder has not started filling up with liquid. Yeah, what does Angus do now? <laughs> so I don't have to do the same action again, do I? Am I gonna regret that? <laughs> <laughs> 
We're in a jungle. It is very dense. This has been established. Are there any mm-hmm. big, like, leaves? Absolutely. I want to take a great big leaf. Uh-huh. I want to wave it like a fan at the turbodendron with the hope of scattering the pollen on the arborists. Ah! <laughs> 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 uh. <laughs> uh. Way to weaponize my own dumb bit against me. Yeah. Uh, that's the best kind of bit to yeah, use that's, on you. Oh, that's how it goes. <laughs> you you absolutely are able to locate a big giant leaf, and how well it goes will be determined by a roll. And if it if you roll poorly, you might just be waving a leaf at nothing and no one, and it might look really dumb. Uh, but if you roll well enough, it might just work out and do exactly the thing that you're trying to do. I am going to add my remaining two kick, mm-hmm. and I am going to mark a trouble to add a d6. I am taking a dare. Ooh. So 2d6 total and two kick. And I am trying to look cool. Amazing. Come on. Baby, six! <laughs> yes! Oh, uh, mark that style. <laughs> Angus has leveled his ray gun at the uh, the metallic cylinder, uh, and as you see his finger tense on the trigger, but then suddenly untense, and he holsters it, and and just as quickly breaks off a leaf from a nearby tree. And yeah, you're in a, a massive sci-fi jungle. These are huge leaves, the size of something huge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Like, uh, the thing that jumped to mind for me was, like, a crazy carpet, uh, but maybe that's uh, obscure Canadiana. Like, bur- like burlesque fans. Yeah, sure. Big. Just just giant. <laughs> yeah. Um, you said you added two kick, right? I added two kick, yes. Yeah, give me a, give, paint me a little word picture of, of uh, Angus's action here, and then I'll let you know uh, the consequences of this. I think instead, like, he has his gun in his hand, he's tensing, he's ready to fire it. And then he turns, grabs a nearby leaf, fires at the base to break the leaf off. Yeah, that makes more sense. Then he uh, holsters his gun and just, like, charges up to the flower. Big, like, when you're uh, uh, opening up, like, a garbage bag. Big, mm-hmm. like, lift up and whoosh, down. And hopefully the pollen is just scattering away from him. Absolutely. And uh, we said that there were three of them up front, now two, because Chester's already taken one down. So that means there's four of them gathered around this uh, flower. I'm going to say <laughs> that for the two kick you added to this roll, like you, you do what you set out to do. It scatters the pollen. Uh, and I think all four of them are affected by it. Um, and we're going to mark two boxes on the progress track that you weren't even... This, this wasn't even your goal. This was Chester's goal to take them all out. Uh, but I think two of them get hit with the brunt of it. And you see their pupils dilate. And they just sort of like, you know, the, the classic like, yeah, hands on their temples doubled over. They are having a bad trip. Um, nice. <laughs> the other two, I'm going to say, are also affected by this, but maybe just get a slightly less potent dose. So you also see their pupils dilate, but you see them kind of still holding it together a little bit. You have stopped the one. You can see that his his little cylinder, there's like the tiniest little skim of pink liquid in the very, very bottom of it that sort of drains back out as he sort of jolts backwards from this burst of pollen. Uh, and you have uh, stalled their process of, of nectar gathering uh, for the time being. I believe we have two more offers on the table as well as... I, Elliot, feel free to jump in at any point. I know you, you at, this, at this point have just like 
opened your bag threateningly, but uh, I'm counting that as kind of a readied action that you can invoke at any time. Oh, um, definitely. <laughs> so, but let's uh, let's jump over to Lake. Uh, you are going to uh, use your uh, concept inverter to try and free the boys in Subsonic Sentinel. Yeah, so Lake, uh, uh, you know, readies her reality cannon to try to free them, but uh, like we've stated... The, the last time she was in the golden jungle and firing her reality cannon willy-nilly, she, she uh, glitched out the whole right side of her body. And she's, this, is, uh, this is not necessarily something she is doing eagerly. Um, and in fact, uh, has a moment of doubt as she thinks about what happened to her last time she was here. And then thinks about the fact that she's essentially targeting Jason and Kabir's wrists. Mm-hmm. Um, and panics a little and is like, I, uh, maybe I shouldn't. Um, and has a, a bit of a, a creative thought, uh, a, a better way around this. Uh, and so I know I, Liam had pitched uh, going from bound to freed, um, but I think instead you said they were tied to like a big metal pole. Yeah. I think she is going to fire at it and try to make it uh, flaccid instead of rigid. <laughs> uh, and that way if she misses, she's missing the pole, not the, the people. I was going to say, you, do, you don't want to necessarily hit them in the hand and uh, they go from bound to unbound, whatever that, like their hand just dissolves into goo, you know? Uh, so yeah. this is probably the safer choice. Yeah, exactly. She, she Safety is top of mind today. That makes sense. Um, yeah, give me that roll. Uh, let me know what you're adding to it and and, uh, and let's get it. I'm going to add it uh, because this is uh, from my heart playbook. I'm going to add a boost, I guess, the, yeah. the an extra D6. Because uh, it is uh, empathetic and compassionate, because she sure as shit doesn't like these guys, but doesn't want to die in a reality eclipse. And um, just because I never, I think she is trying to look cool uh, in, again, uh, keeping her cool, because she, uh, very high emotional stakes here. Yeah, absolutely. And the two dice that I roll, both of them are three. Ooh. Yeah, I think... The the result of your role there, like, I, I, I think it is literally just that it's like you're trying to target a narrow metal column. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of chaos. There's, you know, uh, vines growing. In fact, uh, yeah, maybe maybe that is what happens there is the, those vines growing wildly. One of them sort of lashes into you. It doesn't slam you or do any damage, but throws off your shot enough that you just don't quite hit the uh, the thing. I think your your blast hits a tree in the background, and the tree you watch it just like slump, uh, like old celery in the fridge, <laughs> like yeah. it just just kind of wilts and bends. But that doesn't do you any good. Uh, the consequence of your failure here is that uh, you hear sort of a um, not a rumble, but like a low just boom, uh, a sonic sort of echoing sound uh and you realize that uh while this has all been going on while you guys have been uh engaging with the arborists and while you've you've been uh, having all these revelations uh you're still in the middle of a planar eclipse and uh oozing in from the side of the clearing you see a river of molten lava as uh, it starts moving in uh in between your group and uh, the Arborists. Uh, it doesn't like make a full impassable obstacle, uh, but it is moving dangerously close to the unconscious forms of Jason and Kabir. It is also lighting up all of this foliage. Like it's it's a hot, humid jungle. This isn't like uh, dry wheat field or anything. So it's, uh, but this is also molten rock uh, that's coming yeah. through here. So like that that uh, uh, outweighs the even the humidity in this jungle. Uh, and, and you watch as, as trees and vines around you start to become ablaze. So yeah, aesthetically, very cool. 
uh, practically coming straight for Jason and Kabir, and uh, they don't have a lot of time. Um, uh, having never witnessed a, a planar eclipse before, uh, she thinks the lava's her fault. Yeah, of course she does. Oh, no. oh that's heartbreaking. Jason and Kabir are, are uh, in the path of the, of the lava, as we've established. However, there's hope for them yet. We cut over to Nick. Uh, I think, like, basic approach around the clearing was, like, he was he was up in trees, or that's sort of where I saw him, so he's running between branches. But then he ends up down, you said they were both unconscious, tied to the, the, the big metal pole? They are indeed, yeah, big metal pole with a glowy crystal at the top. Okay. How big around is the pole? <laughs> Let's say it's like a 18 inches. It's 18 inches in diameter. Nice. Then... Uh, Nick makes his way over. He kind of like d- does like a, a shoulder shake on them to see, like slap, slap the face, no, no response kind of thing. Uh, and then he steps back and uh, for the first time sort of revealing himself from his, his sneaky position, uh, he readies himself with his Negatana and he shouts out, Negatana fifth form, kinetic flurry! As he draws it, uh, it's a series of really quick cuts. Uh, two quick ones to sever the rope, and then a bigger swing that cuts right through the pole. Oh, amazing. Uh, so I've got one more boost die on my devices. So I'm going to mark a boost there. And I am going to uh, use use the ability that I had taken up uh, a couple sessions ago, Double Dare, in which I push myself to mark a trouble, and I gain two more d6. So I'll be rolling four d6. And I think with this big sort of like announcing his presence thing, he is trying to look cool. Absolutely. Let's get that roll. All right. I got a six. Ah, the only amazing. die of the four doesn't succeed. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So yeah, you do exactly as you describe. You uh, slice their bindings, two quick cuts on either side to, to disconnect their wrists, uh, and then uh, quick slash semi-angled horizontal uh, cuts the entire column into at what point in the column are you like severing it uh pretty low my thought was with that that if i hit it at the right angle it might fall forward onto some of the arborists i love that <laughs> and i think if you had added kick to your role that's exactly what would have happened ah, but as it is i think your your thing you were setting out to do is is free jason and kabir mm-hmm. you absolutely do that but you gotta that's what the kick is for that's fair I think in the in the looking cool aspect of it, though, I've, I've like finished off in a big pose, uh, sword raised in the air, and the pole falls forward, revealing uh, short Nick standing behind in this pose. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it looks even cooler than you intended, because this thing sort of, it, it does the classic anime, like the, the cut happens and it stays erect for a moment and then slides into two pieces and the nice. thing comes crashing to the ground. Narrowly missing one of the arborists, almost as though it, it could have almost hit him if, if circumstances had been different. <laughs> that uh, orange crystal comes careening downward and, and hits the ground. It does not shatter, but it is now just laying on the ground itself. Um, and Nick ends up looking cooler than he even anticipated as uh, you hear a buzzing that gets louder and a the swarm of hyper hornets from outside creates a cloud overhead. And you're it, it, like, all of you are worried for a second because hyper hornets, but they can't seem to get down to you. There's still some sort of an invisible barrier there, but they were able to sort of get in a little closer than they were able to before as this crystal comes down to the ground. So there is uh, Nick is standing there behind striking a cool pose and a swarm of hornets clouds over his head, <laughs> but is otherwise unable to uh, impact the group of you. Jason and Kabir, I think, are uh, maybe roused by the 
you know, the sound of the column crashing down and then the subsequent sound of the, the hornets gathering. Uh, they're, they're groggy and, and out of it, but they are uh, starting to wake up uh, and they see you there and they're like, Ugh, Nick, what are, where, where's Scott? What happened? And they're just kind of, they're out of it still, but uh, are slowly gathering themselves. Well, I was just about to ask you two the same thing. And now I will ask it. Where's Scott? What happened? <laughs> I remember he was here when we got to the clearing, and then we saw the guys in the ro- the guys in the ropes, and they're all like they they realize that they are still in very close capacity. Uh, they also realize that there's lava coming towards them, and quickly scramble to their feet. Um, where's where's the rest of your crew? Um, and where is the rest of the crew? Your crew? They're they're standing in front of you. I think. Uh, I mean, let's let's cut to them for reactions. But uh, your your teammate who warped away from you at the beginning of his adventure has now revealed himself uh and is standing there with his his sword uh glowing red uh how does the rest of weird gravity react to this reveal yeah the pole very dramatically slides and lands uh nick reveals himself and she like locks eyes with nick and she's just like nick nick what the heck are you doing we gotta get out of here. We're go. Let's go. Grab them and let's get out of here. Also, that was cool as heck. <laughs> I would like to grab the pole with the crystal on it mm-hmm. and thrust it up into the air to see what happens. Yeah, I think it's uh, like we said, it's eighteen inches in diameter and pretty tall. So, like, I feel like it's it, it's a bit of a strut. Like, it's heavy and hefty. Uh, it's probably something that's going to be hard for you to do on your own. Can I make an offer to help here? Yeah. You two both are able to lift up the pole. And yeah, as it raises up, you see that sort of the, the swarm of hyper hornets above you. Uh, like the, there's like an invisible boundary that they can't seem to cross. And as you raise the pole, that boundary gets higher. Sort of after Lake has shouted out, uh, Nick pushes both Jason and Kabir, kind of like urging them to go. Uh, and he sees Angus is trying to lift this pole, so he he goes over to help. And and in in arriving, he he pulls out the phone very sheepishly and and just holds it out for Angus. <laughs> uh, Angus looks at Nick, looks at the pole, looks up at the hornets. I think he would bring it back down, and point to the crystal and be like, "Cut this off." Uh, sure. Well, here's your phone. I'm 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 sorry. I'll get that... it later. Okay. Um. And I guess Nick's gonna take another swing at the the top of the pole. Amazing, yeah. Do we have any more any more hype? You <laughs> checked one off there? earlier, Angus, right? You yeah, checked the one, one for yours. Yeah. Okay, then yeah, you got one left. Is it all right if I use that, folks? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I will also lend you one of my kick. Okay. I got it back when I looked cool, uh, and I now give it to you. <laughs> Double sixes. Oh, baby! Whoa! <laughs> yeah, you are you a clean cut right at the base of where the crystal meets the pole, and and this thing seems to uh, be loosened, and also seems a lot lighter now. Like uh, you, you, it seems like the uh, the pole itself was the heavy part. Um, this seems uh, a lot more portable now. Uh, once it is free, Angus is gonna hold it aloft and yell, "Time to go!" <laughs> as as you start making your way back over to us, and we're we're all sort of keeping the the arborist in check. You're you're pretty beat up there, Nick. You kind of come closer to uh, uh, Lake, and she is steaming mad at you for running off. 
and even though we're in the thick of it, I'm gonna I'm gonna use my ability pep talk to uh, I can use it to either refill hype or remove a slam based on fear, discouragement, or any kind of negative emotion. Do you have a slam I can I can talk you out of? Uh, I've got insecure in in terms of uh, relationship with Angus and the tension that was there. Oh, <laughs> I got I got just the thing for that where she's she's gonna sort of like tough love scold you like. Nick, we are a team. We're a crew. We can't go running off without each other. We all care about you. And, and when you do stuff like this, it really harshes the, the buzz of the run, right? When, when you go off by yourself, because then now we're worried about you. And, you know, I know you have your own stuff you want to uh, take care of, but we're a crew and we have to do this together because we worry about you and care about you. And she realizes, a little embarrassed, that she sounds kind of like her mom, which uh, she's going to have to unpack later, but now's not the time. <laughs> uh, but you can go ahead and remove a slam. I think Nick Nick has some quiet, just like tears run down his face. He's, he's not like actively crying kind of thing, but he's just like, I know, I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you, Lake. Thank you. Okay, we got to go. And then we run off there's always time in the movie for a, 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 a heart to heart even as lava encroaches i think that's what chester has been uh buying you this whole time is is just like these moments of conversation are able to happen because anytime an arborist advances or tries to like jab a vine and make it whip at you chester's there to just like clock him i think uh you know you got your gem you've got your uh your rivals freed uh, you're ready to make your escape. However, these arborists are still here, and they are not happy about what's going on, and they are uh, not gonna just let you walk away from this. However, um, we—I'd uh, like to check back in with the other members of our crew, and I actually want to start with Elliot. Uh, yeah, Elliot, you're standing there with your backpack open, and you've been waiting for your moment. Uh, yeah, no, I think she's doing sort of like a like she's facing off with one of them. And doing kind of like a basketball deke out, mm-hmm. uh, trying to dodge around the person and like get behind them so that she can uh, put the bag over their head and send them to a different dimension. Amazing. Uh, yeah, let's let's get a roll for that along with anything you're adding adding to that roll. Uh, yeah, so I have to mark boost in order to turn my bag into a one-way portal. Mm-hmm. So I do that. And I always roll with two dice. Yeah. So I do that. And you know what? I'm going to push myself. I'm going to mark a, a trouble. And what is it that gets you an extra extra die? Yeah. Amazing. So I'm rolling three. A four. A four. We got a mixed success. Uh, so I think that it's a, like I said, we're sort of dodging around each other. And I think he like goes for throwing like a, a hook or something. And I managed to duck underneath mm-hmm. and get around the back and then just like, over over his head like a kidnapper (laughs) i just put the the bag over his head and his whole body goes uh and it says a randomly selected world give me a hang on four eight uh you got a d12 handy okay okay i'm rolling eight (laughs) roll again you don't send him here (laughs) (laughs) one that's hilarious because that's also kind of here <laughs> <laughs> is that calorium well with the play uh, the, the eclipse you know what it is is yeah you you drag the bag over his head 
and he finds himself surrounded by by fire and ash and uh, and steam and geysers, and then the ground underneath him begins to shift. And as he looks down, he sees that there is a a boiling swamp extending in all directions, and the ground underneath him is sort of shimmery and scaly. Uh, and you've just sort of teleported him a little ways away to the the face dragon that Michael <laughs> recently vanquished. You you <laughs> transported him to simultaneously the golden jungle and Calorium with your roll. That's uh, very good. <laughs> I was gonna just do a roll again, but when you rolled both of them, it's like, well, then he's here. It's the dice want him to be here. Okay, uh, and yes, I've marked another tick on your progress track. So I believe you have taken out four of seven monks are either uh, unconscious, relocated, or high as hell. Um, <laughs> Chester, we're going to cut back over to you. You you were sort of grappling with uh, with one of the remaining monks. Uh, do, do you want to pop off another maneuver here? So this plant is growing really big, right? Yeah. And you said one of them was trying to get some juice out of it? Yeah. I think he, he initially made an attempt there, and Angus sort of uh, subverted that from happening by uh, scattering pollen everywhere. But he's managed to, he seems to be the kind of leader of the group and he's managed to retain his focus and he's going in for another attempt. Angus went off to to deal with a crystal uh, and now that he doesn't have a gun pointed at him anymore, he's he's trying to gather some more of the nectar. This guy probably is not doing the good kind of science. And I, I start <laughs> skating and I just do a full on like spear tackle, just get And um... I'm going to use some kick from my uh, powered armor to kind of give myself a little bit more speed. And I'm going to uh, get a bonus die from my grit. Because, uh, yeah, this is going to be a hard hit. I roll a five and a six. Oh, amazing. You guys are having incredible rolls tonight. Damn it. And I forgot to look cool. I meant to. Damn it. <laughs> Aha. No, I got I got something for you. You're not you're not gonna get the style because you you didn't look cool. So I think in you uh, the trade off here is that you look uh, very messy in this maneuver. It doesn't look particularly cool at all, but it's effective. You slam into this guy with a cylinder, and I'm gonna say that with the extra kick you added, we talked about how like uh, arborist is a longer word than there are numbers of them. So a couple of them are gonna have to be worth a couple of boxes. So you him being the leader, he you're gonna take out two boxes because you take out the leader. Um, and so you're, you're only taking down one guy, but it takes two progress tracks is what I'm trying to say. You only have three left. Does he have any of the sample of the stuff that he got? Like, I know he, Oh, was... you read my mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he was able to, it's, it's not like a full chamber, but he was partway through gathering some. Uh, and as he goes down that thing, that cylinder rolls out of his hand and you can see it's about half full of glowy pink liquid. Uh, and you have an opportunity to grab that. It's on the ground in front of you. I mean, this has got to be worth at least a B plus. And I grab it. <laughs> I, I put it in my pocket and I kind of forget about it for now. And I turn <laughs> back to like, all right, who else needs a punch in the face? And maybe as people are starting to wrap up, it seems like we're kind of, we freed some people. We're uh, going, I, I want to be the cover so people can start leaving before things really get wild yeah uh absolutely i love that offer um yeah i guess let's let's check in with the rest of the crew you've 
unbound subsonic sentinel and they're kind of like they're still a little out of it so they seem to be kind of looking to follow your lead as they often seem to do in these adventures they're just like (laughs) not really sure how to get themselves out of the trouble they've gotten in and are looking to weird gravity to guide them but they're unbound uh you've you've reunited with your friend nick you even got some of the nectar that you ultimately were here to get does anyone have anything else that they're trying to do while you're here uh, Jason, Kabir, do either of you have, have Scott's number? Uh, I don't, did you get, and Kabir's like, I, I just, I, I, I felt like it would be awkward to ask you, like, we, I don't know, I didn't want to, I didn't want him to think we were Just say no, anything. ding-dongs, we gotta go. <laughs> no, no, we didn't get, I don't know if he has a phone, he's gotta have a phone, yeah, he's gotta have a phone, but we don't have, um, I have his, his my page. Uh, is his my page active currently? <laughs> <laughs> they they pull it up. He's not streaming anything currently, but uh, I think it's got some sort of a like uh, messaging. It's like really old Facebook you can post to someone's wall. <laughs> I mean, I guess new Facebook can do that now, but like that that seemed to be a bigger thing in old days was like posting on each other's wall and being like, "Hi, <laughs> we don't have time, Nick. Um, uh, you are able to post on his wall <laughs> if you want to. Uh, I'm, I'm, you can poke him." I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna <laughs> do character for a moment. Essentially, what I'm trying to do is, I want to figure out where Scott is, and I'm gonna do one last attempt to teleport away and bring him back to the group. Oh, interesting. Oh. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think Jason types out a hurried message to uh, to Scott over my page, of just like, "Where'd you go?" and and receives a response quite quickly, and it's like, "Good, you guys are. You guys are okay. Are you are you still in the clearing?" Uh, and Jason types back, yep. <laughs> and Scott, there's a longer delay on this response. He's like, can you get out of the clearing? <laughs> and Jason's like, uh, what, what should I say? Is he okay? You okay? And Scott's like, yeah, I'm not the one with the the cult. Like, are, are you guys okay? And Jason types back, Yep. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, what, what should I say Can you check my email while you're at it? Let's go! Just get his yeah. coordinates! <laughs> I just need his coordinates or his location or anything! Yeah, he, he types back, uh, we, we need to find you, and, and Scott gives, I don't know enough slug blaster lingo about the golden jungle, but he gives you a, a, a enough of an idea that, that you know where he is. Either it's, you know, longitudinal coordinates or just, like, a landmark that, like, oh, I'm, you know, east of the Gundam by... Three parsecs. I don't know how you measured the flood blasting. But yeah, you know where he is. You can you can get to him. Okay. Then I I think uh, I, I think Nick just just says tell him to stay there, and uh, he readies up his stance and he's going to based on that information, uh, kind of like he did at the beginning of this where he did a, a really big teleport over long distance. He's going to try that again to get over to Scott. Okay, uh, I think this is important. Do you say anything to your team before you do this? Actually, yeah, before readying his stance, he holds the phone out to Angus again. Uh, and he said, I know what I did before was stupid and, and I shouldn't have gone on my own, but I'll be right back. I need to do this right now. Not again. He said he was fine. Well, I'm sorry, but I have to. Uh, so then Nick's going to toss the phone at Angus and then uh, slip, rattle, slice to, to teleport in universe. <laughs> oh, boy. You little monster. Angus tosses the crystal to Lake and he goes through the portal too. Oh. 
Uh, uh, yeah, let's get the roll to see if this this works. I, I'm going to add the last of my boost die from Smarts because mm-hmm. I think this is like Nick really focusing in on doing the long distance teleport, trying to figure out what he needs to do to calculate that. Uh, I was going to do the do the take a dare to push myself to get a kick. Mm-hmm. Would double dare wouldn't affect that, right? Because it, it just mentions when you take a dare, you get an extra d6 to the action. So if I'm choosing the kick option, I, I only still only get the one kick, right? That might mean you get a kick and a d6? I think that's exactly what it means. Oh, uh, dang. Okay. I didn't even think about that as an option. Cool. So I'll mark that <laughs> other trouble. Uh, and then I'm rolling 3d6 with a kick. That's a five. That is a uh, mixed success. So yes, you uh, you raise your negatana up and slice through space time, and uh, and go to make this leap towards Scott because you're doing what you have to do in getting him back uh, and, and saving everyone and getting everyone out okay. And it it feels something feels off, and you realize as you're going through that Angus has charged after you and sort of grabbed onto your shoulder and and is is attempting to pass through this portal with you, and that's not generally how this ability works yeah you can't normally take people with you on this one yeah it doesn't really specify but it's always been just myself before yeah so i think that is part of the issue here um is yeah it's not designed to transport two people and so i think you slice through space time you pass through you realize too late that angus is coming with you and you arrive on the other side of it scott's there he looks worried um and you hear a cry uh, and Angus, you're gonna take a slam for this. That is the problem. <laughs> is it like a physical slam, a, a quantum slam? Yeah, kind of a, a a yeah. It's it's physical injury, but on a sort of quantum level of like you had your uh, molecules rearranged a little bit in uh, and like you made it out, but it it didn't feel good. May, may I make an offer? Yeah. Similar the the pain uh, that would you would you would uh, attribute to like the loss or complete like crunching of a limb but i figure like if angus was holding on maybe that molecule condensing was kind of like going into a small hole like a like a, a, a like angus got crunched down uh um to to to, ver- to a very small hole and then reformed and so even though he's fine it feels like his arm has been like run over by a cement mixer yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. Like, it's back to normal, but it, it still experienced complete collapse and reconstruction. <laughs> yeah, there is, on the list of slams, there is something called a reality damage. Uh, and I think that is the slam. Uh, Angus, you're going to take some reality damage. Okay. Uh, but you come out the other side of it. You see Scott. Nick, you are okay. Uh, but Angus, you are uh, you are rattled by this experience. <laughs> Angus, what are you doing? No, I, I said I was doing this. What are you? Uh, I, I can only slice through for so long. That's why I was going through. What, what happened? Are, are you? Is, is, is your is your arm? You didn't lose a piece of your arm, did you? Not this time. Look, I, I said I knew what I was doing. Why? Why did you still come after me? Why are you going alone? Because I, I knew I could be able to get parsable and bring him back and, and I knew that, that we don't know that but we don't know that Nick you go and you don't tell us anything how do you think we're supposed to react 
What do you think we're supposed to do? Just let you go do your thing and play the damn hero? But, but, but I do come back and, and, and aren't, isn't that part of what we're doing is. Scott's in the background and he's like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say to any of the, I, are, are Jason and Kabir okay? Yes, they're fine. No thanks to you. Just shut up, Parsible. We're going back through. And that was the intention of my kick, was to be able to reverse and hop back. Yeah, uh, I think you have that option available to you. Scott's like, hey, I've been I've been trying to find a portal zone back. Okay, I, I those guys were there and, and they had robes and, and globes and it was it was all it's, Jason and Kabir went down and I, I used my board to, to phase away, but I I, I I just I'm just trying to find a way home. Um, and you can see he's, he's a little bit shook, but he, he kind of points and he's like, it's that way. There's a portal zone. It, I don't know how long it'll last. It seems like the planar eclipse is throwing everything weird, but it, it looks like it goes straight back to null. We can, we can get out. We'll get there, but we're going to get there with everyone. We always have to go back. Yeah. Scott nods and he's ready to follow you. Uh, Angus, however. Uh, he doesn't say anything, but clearly seems, you know ready to go through this portal. Cool. Uh, Nick, you're able to, with that kick you spent, you're able to transport yourself back. Are you bringing Scott and Angus back with you so that you can all escape from there? Or are you attempting to go back and bring the others to Scott and Angus? What's the what's the intent here? Uh, I f- think the intent was to just rejoin all the groups. I don't know if that is... Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I think I think Scott's even just like I'll I'll meet you there and heads off on his uh, hard light board at maximum speed. And Angus, do you do you hop onto this teleport? Yeah. Nick extends a hand. Angus takes it. Angus is probably a little shook and not looking forward to this, but I think now that Nick knows that he has two people to transport, he's able to cut the portal a little wider, and you're able to get back through without incident. Um, and so from the perspective of everyone else, you you disappeared briefly and then reappeared. But Angus looks a lot worse for wear. Uh, and honestly, Nick, too, like neither of you are looking great. Uh, and as you sort of gather everyone up and get ready to go, uh, you see Scott uh, arriving uh, from from the side. So Scott from the edge of the clearing shouts out, uh, every, everybody ready to go? I got I found the coordinates of the portal zone should take us right back to Null. Just follow me. I got it. Uh, and you guys all uh, get ready to embark uh, and get the heck out of here. As you turn back, you see that the reality, the planar eclipse, is uh, is kicking into its crescendo here. You can barely tell where the golden jungle ends and Calorium begins, especially centered around the rhododen- or the turbodendron. It's starting to get very hard to tell which reality is which. As this is happening. Uh, you saw a little glimpse of it earlier. Angus did the fan, and a little puff of pollen went up. But it was it was a fairly small cloud. It got a few of the arborists and took out a few ticks on your progress track. But this time, uh, the flower releases a burst of, uh, of some type of spores of its own accord. And you watch as they drift off in, into the uh, distance, um, not into the Golden Jungle, but across the Planar Divide and into Calorian, where they float off and disappear out of sight. Uh, the Turbodendron, having drawn all of its resources from its dimension and bloomed, begins to slowly wilt uh, as its, its once-per-reality blooming is complete, uh, and it does cross the planar divide to bloom again. 
as reality is coming apart at the seams, these monks uh, realize that they are not in uh, great shape. And as Angus uh, raises this crystal that he's gathered, the orange glowing crystal, every time he moves it, that cloud of uh, hyper hornets above you gets a little closer or a little farther away. Like it's clearly this crystal that is is controlling their behavior. The arborists had set it up to create a perimeter uh, and they can see that it is in your possession and uh, they are about to be in a lot of trouble. Uh, and I think seeing that, you know, two of them are, are uh, foaming at the mouth and rolling on the ground completely high. A couple of them are crumpled in heaps. One of them has been voiped away to another dimension. The remaining arborists who have their wits about them pull out the classic robe gloves and go to make their exit. But before they do, Nick, one of the monks turns to you and you suddenly realize that you've seen him before. This is the same arborist who appeared alongside you in the waking pits, the one you subdued and then brought back with you to Thenis Spar. As you reach this realization, the monk's gaze remains unbroken and he utters one word, Equinox. And then they throw the globe and they disappear. It's a word that might not mean much to anyone else who happened to hear it, but for Nick, for you, it triggers a memory. This was years ago, and you remember being in your father's office. It was a boring, stuffy sort of room with an uncomfortable leather chair and not enough natural light, but you'd often go in, often against your parents' wishes, because that's where your dad kept the prototype computer given to him by his employers at Drow. To call it a laptop would be a little disingenuous. This was more of a, a suitcase, a heavy unit with a thick, dim screen that needed to be plugged in constantly to function. Nevertheless, a portable computer of any sort was fascinating to a young Nick Lowe, and you'd sneak in and use it at any opportunity. It was on one such occasion that you found your explorations of the system interface interrupted by an incoming message. It was sent from a Drow server with the sender's name redacted, and in the subject line were the words, Project Equinox. Before you had a chance to investigate any further, your father entered his office and ushered you out. After a brief silence, you could hear the sounds of him packing up the bulky machine along with some other personal effects. He ruffled your hair as he passed you in the hallway on his way out the door, a worried look in his eye. And that was the last time you ever saw him. And with that, the monks are gone, the reality is melting and bursting at the seams around you, and Weird Gravity and Subsonic Sentinel make their exit out of the plane, uh, the dual plane of Calorium in the Golden Jungle. Angus is holding that crystal high, keeping the hornets at bay, uh, and Scott's got his uh, phone out and is tracking the coordinates, and he leads you directly there. He, he, his intel was good, and he's found a portal that takes you directly back to Null. But there is one more thing we need to do. It's a disaster roll. Hey friends, it's Robin cutting in before disaster strikes to thank you once again for listening and for sharing the podcast with friends and for leaving positive reviews. We appreciate it so, so much and we can't thank you enough. Uh, we are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and everything else. Please get in touch with us. We love hearing from you. 
Uh, and hey, if you love hearing from us, you can subscribe on Patreon, where for just five bucks a month, you can get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip, as well as bi-weekly bonus content like interviews, outtakes, and lots more. We've been doing some planning for that lately, and we've got some real cool stuff in the pipe. I can't wait to share it with you. Uh, I'd also like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. Check them out at amaas.ca. And finally, we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network. They have a bunch of amazing locally made shows over at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so stay tuned for a brand new Halloween-themed adventure on Wednesday, October 13th. Uh, and we're going to get you back to the action right away here, but first I'm going to throw it over to Jason and Kabir from Subsonic Sentinel for some quick shout-outs. Hey everybody, what's up? It's Jason and Kabir of Subsonic Sentinel here to give some quick shout-outs. First up, this episode is brought to you by the Well Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton <laughs> Community Foundation. Hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink, produced by Lisa Pruden, the Well Endowed Podcast <laughs> explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. And it was when I was uh, completing my English degree at Acadia University, and I was doing an honors thesis, and I came across the most helpful librarian. And his name was Mr. Mercer, and everybody in the library would know you were asking a question because he would say in a very booming voice when you asked a question, he would say, oh, come this way, follow me. And I didn't really know what I was going to do after I finished my bachelor's degree, and I thought, yeah, I want to be a librarian. And it's because of that connection to knowledge and information and that discovery and that's meeting that need and really about helping. So yeah, that's the Well Endowed Podcast. <laughs> Kabir, what? What is it, Kabir? What? Endowed. <sighs> Subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. That's thewellendowedpodcast.com. This episode is also brought to you by Yeg Podfest, presented by Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with the Alberta Podcast Network and LitFest, Canada's nonfiction festival. Running October 1st through 3rd, Yeg Podfest will be held all online this year so anyone can tune in to experience it. Events include masterclasses with professional podcasters, panel discussions, feature interviews, and more. Some of APN's member shows will be there too, so join us for the virtual party from October 1st through 3rd. Hey Jason, what's a Yeg? Obviously a yellow egg. Duh. Anyway, to check out the full lineup and get tickets, head to yegpodfest.ca. That's y-e-g-podfest.ca. Now let's get you back to the adventures of Subsonic Sentinel! Sentinel! And also Weird Gravity. a roll from every single one of you. Well, Lake Lake got two sixes on her two that she rolled, so I'm okay. Uh, Chester got a four. Okay. Angus got a six. Uh, with my minimum one die, I got a four. <laughs> Whew. I got a two. I rolled three oh. dice, and I got a two. Oh, boy. Uh, and to just quickly recap, six is safe. You can mark one style or save a teammate from doom and disaster. Four or five is a close call. You take one trouble if you have room for it. And one to three, uh-oh, mark one doom and receive a disaster chosen by the GM.
So I'm going to give you guys the uh, sort of stakes of this disaster roll, and then you can let me know. Uh, we have a couple of sixes in the mix, so there, there may be an opportunity there. As you guys are, are making your way out, like I said, Scott is, is leading you uh, towards the portal zone, and, and it looks like it's going to take you straight on home. Um, but again, reality is coming apart all around you. There's, there's portals and rifts opening. Uh, it's hard to tell where the golden jungle ends and, and Calorian begins. And I think for two of you, uh, Nick and Chester, there comes a moment on this on this run where you come close to like you're you're going forward uh, and you're you know whipping through foliage, and then all of a sudden there's no more foliage and there's ash, but you're able to sort of course correct just in time, uh, and maybe you get a little singed and a little little steamed, but you uh, it's a close call. You you, uh, you you're able to still follow along with the group uh, and and follow Scott back to the portal zone. However, we have we have one roll that's a little bit lower. Elliot, you rolled a two. Yep. And so, Elliot, I think you have a similar experience to this, where you're you're going along and trying to follow the group, and and suddenly you uh, you find yourself not where you wanted to be. As you make your way towards the thin zone, you begin to feel an intense heat. Before you know what's happening, you hit some sort of an updraft that throws off your balance and sends you off course. You try to correct, but your surroundings don't look the same as they did a moment ago. Instead of dense jungle and grasslands, you see scorched earth and ash stretching off in every direction. Try as you might, you can't seem to find any trace of the golden jungle. At the peak of the planar eclipse, you've passed through to the plain of Caloria, and you have no idea how to get home. I'd be willing to save. I, th- I think Lakewood, too, just because she's the heart and the whole theme of this run has been, like, the very real dangers of slug blasting being front and center. And if if on the way out had to grab Elliot by the collar and, and save her from Lava Town, uh, I think that would just be, like, the icing on the, like, pretty cheesed off cake that will uh, feed into my downtime scene. Uh, Elliot, are you, you're okay with, uh, with having Lake save your bacon? Yes, that's nice. Thank you. Yeah, And I don't blame you. It's just like one more, like she's not mad at you. She's just mad. She had to do it. So yeah, I, instead of marking a style, I, I, I save you. Like, I'm going to make an offer and you can feel free to, to just make it a a simple, like grabs Elliot's hand as she's about to cross over. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, you see Elliot careening along and heading towards, um, there's like a, as there are in the golden jungle, big, thick sort of red woody type tree with a huge trunk. Uh, and you see Elliot start to swerve left, but you can see that to the left, uh, things get a lot more fiery and brimstoney. Uh, and if Elliot swerves around this tree, she might not make it back uh, to the other side of the tree. Uh, mm-hmm. And where earlier you you leveled that reality cannon at Jason and Kabir, uh, and at the last second you you hesitated and aimed higher and ended up missing. Um, this time, there's no hesitation. You uh, whip the reality cannon out, use the reality scrambling beam to obliterate this tree in front of Elliot. And it's it's very, very close, but Elliot is able to make it through uh, and doesn't have to swerve off into Calorium. Yeah, re- reaches out a hand, pull, pulls her in, and uh, that's the last, the last blip before we're out of there. Yes, exactly. Uh, and with that, the crew crosses the boundary back into Null. Uh, I think first and foremost, we should uh, get some of the uh, crew stuff shored up, um, and then maybe we can have a little scene with Weird Gravity immediately upon re-entering Null. Um, I think you guys would part ways pretty quickly with Subsonic Sentinel. Um, I don't know that a lot is said there. I feel like they, you know, Jason and Kabir are are grateful, uh, but also just overwhelmed and tired. Uh, And I think Scott is maybe not feeling great. 
he, he tried to help his crew and got in over his head. So I don't think there's much uh, that is exchanged there. Scram, you ungrateful ding-dongs. <laughs> <laughs> Scott kind of gives you a cocky smile, but uh, the other two just kind of look worn out um, and off they go. Um, yeah, so you guys get some style for any time that you uh, do a run that is on brand. Your brand is Weirdos, uh, plus three style after runs where you take an unconventional approach. Uh, and Underdogs, plus three style after runs where you get in way over your heads. <laughs> I would argue that both of those apply. Obviously got in way over your heads. Uh, the unconventional approach, I, I, you could make an argument either way. But I think especially considering that Nick took the time to stream the Turbodendron blooming that like you accomplished what you set out to do in the most unconventional way. Uh, I think that that helps to shore up that one as well. So I'm going to mark off six crew style here that you have to spend towards uh, crew yeah. goals or, or, you know, split up amongst yourselves as you see fit as well. You guys uh, have that uh, cylinder full of nectar that Chester hopefully remembers that he has. Um, so that is a thing that, uh, that will give you some benefit but we'll wait until it comes into play yeah so i think we'll we'll then the next thing that we need to go over is each of the different playbooks gets some style based on how they played out the run so let's go through in the order that i have you guys on here uh which starts with chester the grit you get plus one style after runs when you demonstrate a moment of toughness determination or patience oh baby you, uh, you get a style. Uh, yeah. You held off yeah. a bunch of arborists uh, almost single-handedly. And I yeah. also did the big uh, jump across the, the gorge and biffed it hard. Yeah. So mark a style mm-hmm. for that for sure. Mm-hmm. Next up in my order, I have the smarts, Nick. Uh, get plus one style after runs when you demonstrate a moment of creativity, problem solving, uh, or curiosity. Yeah. Uh, I think curiosity was was like beginner in terms of how he reacted with the turbodendron and stuff but i do think there was also creativity in how he handled the the fight with say the phase dragon yeah absolutely what you you stabbed it in the head and then <laughs> steered it yeah like Are a, you sure you're not the guts fam like do i have the <laughs> wrong playbook <laughs> uh lake the heart you get plus one style after runs where you demonstrate a moment of integrity empathy or passion uh yeah i, I saved jason and kabir so you know no one, <laughs> no one would have faulted me if we didn't so I <laughs> i'm gonna call that empathetic fair angus the guts you get plus one style after runs where you demonstrate a moment of boldness confidence or risk taking uh the the moment i have uh i feel like angus was uh uh trying to sort of hold everyone together in the golden jungle uh, wanted to make sure that, you know, we were all going to get to the, where we needed to go. So the moment for me was uh, when he got Lake across the chasm using his energy tensor, because I don't think he's ever tried that before. But for him, it was a matter of like, this is how we're getting across and I'm going to make it happen. Absolutely. Uh, and finally, uh, Elliot the Chill, you get plus one style after runs where you demonstrate a moment of ease, flow, or sheer dumb luck. Uh, it was pretty stupidly lucky that I managed to pull a bee smoker out of my bag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Take your style. So with that, we're going to begin the downtime portion of the game. And there's a lot of stuff on the table to resolve here. You guys have your, your hangouts as the video hut and behind the bleachers. Um, where do you think weird gravity would go to sort of debrief after this run? Is this a behind the bleachers moment? Are we, are we making it back to a hangout or is it just like, where did the portal lead out? Are we just like standing in a field and like, 
That's true, actually. Maybe you I don't, guys I don't know are... if this conversation waits to travel somewhere else. Yeah. Can it be, though, like, the parking lot of a truck stop, like, just outside of town, and there's, like, there's a 15-minute skate back into town? Yeah, you've, like, after everything you've been through, there's still, like, further to go. You don't, you didn't get out in your usual portal zone that would be right nearby and convenient to everyone. You guys are off in some random spot, because there's not usually a bridge from the Golden Jungle directly back to Null. Scott is a very good slug blaster and managed to find a little rift that was opening over the course of the planar eclipse that uh, that may not exist for long. Um, but yeah, so you guys are in an, an odd place. You're you're yeah in a truck stop parking lot. It's you know starting to get like it's dusk as you're emerging. The fluorescent or the halogen lights in the parking lot are just starting to flicker to life. It's got that like maybe there's a pulp mill near Hillview and and it doesn't smell like pulp all the time, but especially if you're on this edge of town and especially at certain hours, you get a little bit of that like pulp stink in the air. Uh, it's just it's not a nice time. But uh, Subsonic Sentinel take their leave, and uh, the five of you are left in the truck stop parking lot. Did did it, did any of you other guys hear what that what what that monk said while we while we were leaving? Couldn't hear him over all the lava. I can't believe it. He he said Equinox. That that made everything so worth it. She rolls her eyes and she's like, "What is?" What is that, an anime? Not everything is anime, damn it. No, don't be ridiculous. I think uh, something about a horse. Chester's thinking of equestrian? <laughs> <laughs> no, because Equinox, it, it, it means something. It, it has to do with, uh, I remember way back with with, with my dad's draw, draw computer, there, there was stuff there that mean, that this this is good information. This This made... Even more than, than seeing the turbodendron and, and, and getting the nectar and everything, this made all of it so worth it. Well, I'm glad you're happy. And she, like, looks over at, at uh, um, Angus, who's, you know, wincing. Yeah, he's, arm. like, doing the thing where he kind of, like, stretches out his hand and then balls it into a fist, just trying to, like, work out this pain. And he's just staring at Nick, incredulous. Uh, Lake very tenderly like walks over and grabs your arm and like kind of rubs it. It's it's not probably not gonna help her or anything, but she's like very gently and and uh, tenderly like rubbing your arm. Your arm turns cool, glitched out patterns and colors, but it it has no magical healing properties. It just looks looks kind of <laughs> cool. Look, Angus, I'm I'm so sorry about your arm, but the slug blasting is about taking risks. That's just what I was doing. I was just following the lead of what what you always do is is being bold and, and taking big steps and and it's paying off. Weird gravity. The, the more the more stuff we do like this, the more big moves we make. We can make it big and and we can find out more about my dad and 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 we'll shit. We'll be. It's what you think of me, huh? Lake thinks back to the conversation she had with her brother when she was worried Angus was gonna get her in trouble. She. Wait, yeah, you are a bit of a... And she, like, drops your hand somewhat dramatically. I was like, maybe you... Yeah. You think I'm the type of person who would just leave all of you behind for my own self-interest? I I don't think so, but... Hey, look, folks, we gotta just calm down a little bit. This is just a hard day, you know, in the jungle. And... Well, yeah, Angus, you, you kind of do. You're always running forward. You're always barreling ahead. 
you're always at the head of the race, and and, and that doesn't mean I leave anybody behind. But, but I always come back. And at the end of the at the end of the run, we all come back. We all make it back through to know we're all we're all here together. I mean, I almost didn't make it back. Yeah, but you did because because we were looking out for each and like even though we're all nah. Do, do you do you guys not get anything out of this? Is this not why we're a crew? Not like this. Yeah, this we 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 weren't in control on this one, Nick. We we really we might have crossed a line here. I'm I'm gonna go, and she kind of like looks at Angus like regrets throwing the hand away, but like also is like doesn't know what to think anyone, and and Lake's the first one to kind of skate away, sad. But you also it's a flat prairie town, and we're in the middle of a truck stop, so you just like <laughs> so watch her, like going down the highway. <laughs> like... <laughs> I think now's the time you tell us uh, what were those what were those scenes that you took there? What was the track that you took in your downtime? Yeah, I think that um, using a, a portion of the the style that I have uh, that will be ticking off both struggling, uh, clear up to three trouble. Your issues get worse. You act out, project, misidentify your problem, and try and solve it the wrong way. Mark a doom. As well as darkness, clear up to four trouble. It catches up to you and hurts your own team. How? What do you say that you shouldn't have? What promise did you break? Mark one doom, take one fracture. So with that, you can tick those two boxes on the track. You can also tick two doom. Oh boy, <laughs> things are getting dark for old, uh, for old Nick. And then over on the crew tab, we're going to mark the first fracture that Weird Gravity has hit. Now, this is a mechanic in the game, a lot like slams for each player. The crew can take fractures, uh, similar system where we type something into a box. What do we call this, gang? What what type of fracture? Call it a planar eclipse, and we know what that means. Like, the planar eclipse wasn't really the wasn't really the eclipse. It was the <laughs> uh, friends we uh, jeopardized along the way. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Planar eclipse. Um, that way, we will know exactly when this happened and uh, and what it means to your crew. I feel like it's too too multifaceted to boil down into one thing. There's there's drama between. Nick and Angus is drama between Nick and Lake. There's drama between Lake and Angus. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of drama. Elliot felt left behind. Chester felt, I assume, sore. <laughs> uh, there's there's drama on all fronts. So I think that that's good to just give it the event name. Um, I think that I would also like to take from that scene and and check something for myself. Cool. Uh, angst, clear up to two trouble. A moment of jealousy, anger, depression, anxiety, etc. Do we know what's causing it? How do you show it? So yeah, I'm going to clear two trouble. Uh, I take a slam. I think the slam is a cross between anger and guilt. And I think Nick would have seen it in Angus's eyes in that moment. I don't know if anyone else would have picked up on it, but Angus was on the verge of tears talking to Nick at the truck stop. I probably noticed because... uh... I do have receptive. <laughs> I noticed the little details. Ah, yeah. Nick and Chester notice. Uh, absolutely. I'm going to put that in your slam box there. Anger and guilt. Nick and Chester. 
Yeah, but with that, I think it's time for us to go shopping for scenes. Uh, so anyone can shout it out if they have a downtime scene that they want to buy with either their style or their trouble. We also need to resolve, Chester, that that item you have. We can do that at any point. Uh, but uh, I would love to have a scene where you sort of uh, figure out what's going on with that. Yeah, I'm not even really fully sure what it would be either. <laughs> Let's start with you then. Do you know which downtime scenes are? Are there downtime scenes that you want to buy? I want to buy two. I want to buy uh, setbacks and last straw. Ooh. My setbacks uh, tie into the last straw, I think. So I, as I've been trying to practice up, uh, you know, working on my skills as a slug blaster, and I'm uh, falling down hills and like trying to uh, get used to like skating on hills and <laughs> all this kind of stuff. On one of these things, he uh, goes and he's trying to body check uh, uh, something and he like fully uh, dislocates his shoulder and, and he kind of drags himself, uh, you know, over to the hospital and, you know, uh, Graham Capone and, and his dad, well, are concerned. I love that. I think we, we don't need to see the setback scene of you injuring yourself, but I do want to see the scene in the hospital uh, where your dad and your Graham Capone come to pick you up from the ER. Yeah. Do you do, Would Chester have like a cast or a sling or something? I'm not sure how dislocation works. It would be a sling. Yeah. Uh, and of course, it's like one of those things, once you dislocate a thing once, it's much easier for it to dislocate in the future. Yeah, I think the doctor gets you all set up with the sling and whatnot and is escorting you back out into the lobby and they're waiting for you. You see uh, your dad and Graham Capone. I think maybe uh, your dad came to pick you up, but was was too furious to drive. So Graham offered to uh, to be the uh, wheel woman. Yeah, and he'll he'll be plenty furious when he turns to look at you. But he's currently at the front desk trying to wrap his head around why he doesn't have to pay because he's from <laughs> Philadelphia. And he's like, so there's no cost. This bill's not going to come later. It's just just this one this one small line item here. We're, oh, okay. I'm not like the thousandth customer or something. It's not okay. All right. <laughs> Turns around and then he's like, he's like, at least that's some good news for the day. And then he just like he stares daggers at Chester. Uh, oh, hey, do, uh, don't worry. You know, my arm is gonna be fine. I just need to rest it for a few days, and then you know I'll be right back, right back at it. Back at it. Back at it. Uh, yeah, you know I. Like hockey, like I'll be able to get, go back to practice in just a, a few days. I think you're full of shit, young man. <laughs> now, I have never said much to discourage you from this whole slug blasting thing, but honestly, I'm a little bit PO'd with you, young man. So. I think it's time you pull on your big boy britches and really take a think about uh, what personal responsibility looks like. Uh, well, yeah, just nods. Graham, you, you always said, you know, like uh, a, a cat may not like going in the water, but it's better than going in the soup. And I, and I feel like this is very much like this. I'm not in the soup. I'm just in the water a little bit. Yes, but I also say that young men shouldn't run headfirst into brick walls over and over again, and look where that's gotten you. <laughs> Classic saying. I, I always got the, I always got lost on that metaphor. Uh, it's not a metaphor, dear. It's just good advice. Now, 
We're going to get in the car and take you home, and you're going to do all sorts of unpleasant chores at your father's behest. You're helping me mow the the lawn, but somehow worse. <laughs> you're doing the the neighbors are out of town. You're doing their yard, and they don't pick up their dog shit. Oh no. Yeah, and I think from that, according to the playbook, there you uh, you mark one doom. And mm-hmm. you take a slam that you will take into the next round. So you're going to clear your previous slams of pummeled and exhausted. Yeah. But we're going to give you a new one. Like, honestly, exhausted fits again because you're going to be uh, overworked doing doing chores around the house with one arm. Question. Did you say you were also taking setbacks for this? Uh, yes. That The setback was, like, me getting injured. Okay. Because you take a slam from that one, too, right? Mm-hmm. So you get yeah, you're going to go into oh. the next one with both Boy. slams? Two slams? Yeah! Ooh, baby! All right, well, we're going to go with dislocated for one of them. And then... And exhausted? I mean, yeah, you can be exhausted more than once. Uh, holy cow. Which makes sense, because the doctor told me to rest and relax, and I'm immediately being put to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dad doesn't believe in that that new age crap. He's <laughs> best... The new age crap of resting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that hippy-dippy stuff. Now you gotta work it off. You gotta walk it off, and you gotta work it off. Yeah. Who else has a scene that they are looking to purchase? Oh, yeah. Chester also marked, uh, clear any trouble or style that you spent on those, hey? Yeah, um, so I'm going to spend a style uh, to do remodeling phase with stuff, so I will roll a d6 to gain a piece of gear or random component. Uh, oh, jeez, okay, I rolled a 6, which is my choice, and roll again! Oh, amazing! <laughs> um, nice! <laughs> sure, I'll grab a lens, and I shall roll again. That is a 5! <laughs> um, Your choice, but not choice. roll again, yeah. I'll grab another gem, and I guess uh, I had a gem previously, so that and the lens go together. I will get the new ability for my Rift Ninja sneakers, the Hyperphaser. You can roll to phase through walls and other matter. Oh, amazing. Really becoming Danny Phantom now. Yeah. Whew. (laughs) If if y'all are cool with it, let's bounce back over to Chester, uh, and uh, I would like to see you figure out the benefit that you have gained from uh, from bringing home this cylinder. like this is the kind of thing where maybe you you did legitimately forget that you grabbed this in the in the midst of battle and it's a few days later that you are like oh right this cylinder full of glowing liquid is that fair (laughs) yeah this would probably have happened before the accident and so yeah maybe it it was a few days later that he found it and he's just like right my science project I, i i need to do this and and uh it was like when he got to school and then the, the the teacher was talking about remember your project, and I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> and I go, yeah. And would you um would you invite any or all of your crew to try and figure this thing out? Like, is this something Chester is gonna look into on his own, or is this something that you would invite, uh, say Nick or Elliot, or or the would you gather the whole crew for this? I don't know if I'd gra- gather everybody because like for me, I'm like just working my science project, right? Like, yeah, this is a weird substance, but I don't think it's of necessarily big consequence. So I think I might just be bringing in Nick because Nick seems to know a lot about uh, science stuff and you know, like maybe he can help me out with that. 
Yeah. So I think, yeah, the, I like the offer of like you're, you're in uh, the, the lab at school and you uh, have, have asked Nick to join you. Maybe you both, you have a free period that overlaps or something. And when Nick arrives, you proudly produce this cylinder, which I don't think any of the rest of the crew saw you grab that. So like they weren't aware that you guys have had the nectar of the Turbodendron for a while now. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Nick, what is your reaction upon walking in and seeing this? Chester, did you did you take that from from the arborists? You you got some of the turbo nectar? Yeah, well, I was like, I I gotta do my science project, and like I was I saw it there on the ground, and I mean the, the those arborist people kind of did my job for me, so I was like, yeah. Chester, this is amazing. <laughs> What a day for science! Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um, <clears throat> so what is it? What does this do? Well, you see, what it does is uh, uh, <laughs> allows you to see the fabric of space time. It allows you to see sort of into other dimensions and see the connections between them, uh, which would be very useful for uh, slug blasters looking to locate new portal zones. It would have to be ingested uh for uh to have this effect for you are one or both of you gonna take the turbo juice i i think nick yeah that's a once in a lifetime or once in a reality thing to eat turbo nectar right Mm -hmm. well okay this is a big deal being able to see into other realities is a big deal do you you think we should get the rest of the crew together and, and figure out who should take it I think at the mention of that, Nick just gets quiet. I don't think he has any sort of response. Um, um, how, how, how many, how much is in there? Like, do you think, uh, to consume? I think they didn't get a ton. You, we said it was like yeah. half full or so. Um, maybe and about enough for you and Nick, if, if that's what you would want to do with maybe a tiny bit left over to turn in as a science project. Well, you, you got it, Chester. I, I think the decision should be up to you. I just, it's really brilliant that you managed to get it, though. That's, that's so cool. I think it's true that multiple people should have some. But you know what? We don't actually know how bad this is. How about this? I'll take the first dose and see what happens. (laughs) This is just like science back in the 1800s. I was reading about one guy who would like... Uh, cut himself up and he would put a whole bunch of uh, stuff on them just to see what would happen. And he discovered all sorts of things about infections. And then he died one day. But you know what? It's just like that. (laughs) Gosh, I hope it's not just like that. And I'm like already drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, Chester, you you take a big swig of this and, and roll a d6 for me. I roll a five. A five. Yeah, you're going to unlock two portal zones on the map of your choice. As you, uh, your mind is opened to the fabric of space-time, you can kind of see into other realities. You can, you can see it's a weird thing where it's like, it's not like you're seeing one reality overlapping another. It's like you can see them both at the same time, which doesn't make any sense. But that's what it feels like, is it's like you've got your reality on one screen and another reality on another, and you can see them both simultaneously, but like well, three because you're opening up two portal zones. Um, so yeah, uh, feel free to go in on the map there and open up two portal zones of your choice. 
So I think I'm going to go with the portal between the Waking Pits and Prismatia, and then uh, the portal between Prismatia back to Thenispar. So that kind of gives us a new loop and two more zones that we can check out. Absolutely. Uh, and then upon seeing that Chester doesn't seem to have any ill effects, he just sort of gets quiet and and, and a bit of a meditative look on his face and... and uh, seems overcome with the uh, new information input that he's received. Uh, Nick, do you do you polish off the rest of that juice? I think so. Uh, and I, th- I think sort of as he's he's holding it and just before he goes to drink, he's sort of muttering to himself, the pollen was drugs, the nectar is fine. The pollen was drugs, the nectar is fine. <laughs> uh, and then you said it's a D6. Yeah. <laughs> You're muttering this as Chester's like, I can see into other realities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, roll me that, roll me that uh, d6. Uh, a four. There we go. Also a mixed success, also two portal zones. Um, yeah. Oh, you know what probably caused my accident is maybe it's like s- somehow this had some effect <laughs> on me falling and oh. getting injured. You were still having a little bit of residual, like you were you were walking home in Null, but you thought you were walking home in Prismatia or whatever. And... Or like I was really even going fast. Like yeah. I was like on my uh, skates uh, going really quickly. And yeah, I started imagining other places. And then, yeah, I ran into something really hard. Oh, I love that. So then it also means that the others quickly will, will find out like why was, why were you... Do, like what happened and then i i might have to tell them like yeah i saw the other spaces i took the or, juice like, I, took, I took the juice uh yeah nick which uh which zones you open up there uh i think in a similar fashion i'm going to open one from bastiche to operablum mm-hmm. and then the portal from operablum to prismatia so that'll be another loop that still sort of connects back in in a in the same way that uh chester's did yeah nicely done and i think with the other style that I had tying off of the time in the lab with Chester and the Nectar, uh, I want to spend two of it on research. Mm-hmm. Uh, so clear two style, scene exploring. Uh, we've already sort of seen the scene because it was the one with the Nectar to gain a special. And what I'm taking is Hyperphantasiac. You can picture multiversal concepts easily. You know where you'll land when you portal. You can find portal zones without an ampimeter, and you get plus one d6 to roll uh, any roll involving portaling physics. Oh. Which I think... Uh, lends itself well to like a lasting effect of ingesting the the nectar maybe. yeah oh that's perfect that works great i'm gonna clear two style for just vibing a scene of you just being you playing video games chasing butterflies sleeping reading a hammock whatever game yeah, special We've already done a Just Vibe and scene with her playing guitar, so I don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it is, uh, yeah, maybe she's playing some video games. I think she's playing some Ocarina of Time. Uh, it's her favorite because you can play an instrument in it, mm-hmm. uh, which rules, <laughs> and she likes jamming out on her Ocarina, even when it doesn't do anything. Uh, I think she's on <laughs> uh, the Water Temple, which echoes the frustration that everyone has been feeling lately uh would there be uh some residual trauma when like uh you know there's kakariko village and uh oh no what am i talking about she's in death mountain yeah death mountain with <laughs> all the fire and everything yeah it's uh, a nice 
parallel, but she feels in control this time, and that's a good thing. Yeah. And appropriately, I'm going to gain the special ability called Button Masher. Roll to temporarily gain access to a signature device ability on your sheet you haven't unlocked yet. Be careful. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, that's very nice. good. <laughs> I love that. I, I'll throw this out there, and you can feel free to veto it. I like the idea that Elliot's phone uh, is maybe buzzing, and you and you just like put it on silent, and you're like, you know what? No, I'm just gonna I'm I'm getting mm-hmm. lost in the world of Hyrule, and maybe in amongst those messages uh, are a couple from Devani. She's bored, and she wants you to pay attention to her. But you're you're taking some you time, and and maybe that's that's not what you're about right now. And it's you know not 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 anything to uh, doom and gloom, but just like. You've earned a break from all of the stresses in your life, maybe. Yeah, I'm into that. Cool. And that that dovetails nicely into to what I was thinking for for Lake, because I think she she's trying to text uh, Elliot some some frustration. Uh, she's really struggling, and that's going to be the scene I'm buying here. Mm-hmm. She she texts Elliot in frustration, doesn't get anything back. She texts uh, Chester, doesn't get anything back because uh, Chester's you know uh, mowing the lawn or something. <laughs> not not talking to Nick right now. Pretty. PO'd at Nick. Um, so unfortunately, poor Angus is going to get the brunt of this. So under struggling, you know, it's the same one uh, Nick did, clear up to three trouble, your issues get worse, you act out, project, misidentify your problem, try to solve it the wrong way. Uh, I'm going to focus on the misidentify your problem, try to solve it the wrong way, by really just like using now all of this like high em- uh, emotion and, and energy, uh, working out those feelings she's been having uh, about Angus. Um, which is also where uh, I will let you catch feelings. Uh, clear one style, but also clear one trouble. The relationship blooms, but things get more complicated too. Mark a doom, mark a legacy, mark a fracture. Ooh. Well, there's a lot going on in that uh, one. And so I think what it is, is like, since our trip to Popularia, you've been having like, just like really fun texts together, uh, to her and her and uh, Angus. Um, but now it was such a tumultuous um, run and no one else is texting her back and she's mad at nick but also kind of slightly mad at you because it is exactly what she thought she like storms through the backyard at the end of this the same way that uh um camry was eating the nachos when she did the ank scene he's sitting in the back smoking eating nachos and she just bolts right past him like fuming she's like texting and she's angus i can't believe nick did that and and you're just you were so smart and quick and i hope your hand is okay and i hope everything is gonna be all right and 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 i I just think it was really cool that you went after him i think you did the right thing and uh he he was such an idiot and he put us all in jeopardy but i'm glad you're part of the crew i'm glad you're part of my team and then like an hour goes by and she's like you know what no you you get us into jeopardy every time this is what i talked to camry about you're gonna cost us everything you're running ahead on the the crash course and you get putting ideas in his head he's younger than us he doesn't get it and he looks up to you hour goes by and it's like angus look i'm sorry i i she doesn't say i'm sorry she just is like i i just i'm so sad right now and, and elliot's not texting me back and i just really like what we're sharing together and and basically over the course of about 48 hours you get quite a roller coaster of emotions and signals uh that mm-hmm, i'm going mm-hmm. to assume a 16 year old boy would not know how to unpack or deal with <laughs> uh... Maybe not most 16-year-old boys, but this is Angus Franklin we're talking about. Sure. I have a downtime scene I want to buy, and I think it will lead into this quite nicely. Perfect. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, Liam, mark everything that that earned you. So that's going to also mark another fracture on your crew tab, which we will get to in a sec. But I want to hear Angus's scene first, and then we'll, we can decide collectively what that fracture is. So 
I think you're in, like, hour five or six uh, of the back and forth of uh, sending Angus a text. Uh, and then there's a knock on your door. <gasps> ah! A uh, little hammock a- uh, answers the door. A, a wee but eight years old goes and answers the door. And like, what's up? Her, her youngest brother. Y- your hair is cool. Thanks. Ha- is like around? Um, uh, Lake! <laughs> and then hammock goes running off down the hallway and leaves you standing in an empty doorway. <laughs> uh, Lake pops her head from the kitchen and, and invites Angus back into the into the backyard. The family's around, and I think just, like, running a boy up to her bedroom would probably get a bunch of attention, and she doesn't want that right now, so it's like, let's just go talk in the backyard. I like that, and I think Camry is still out there finishing the last couple of nachos, but then sees you approach and is cool enough to be like, ah, and, like, seeds the backyard to you. It's like, ah, I see what's going on here. Bye. Um. (laughs) Pardon le moi. I was just just texting you. Deletes the draft. (laughs) Yeah, um, I noticed. Uh, this really doesn't, um, sit well with me, the idea that I, I'd do anything to hurt anybody. That I would do anything to hurt you. And, uh, that, uh, I, I just want to make sure that we're good, I guess. Um, and I, I want to make it clear that, what am I trying to? Hmm. Um. Huh. Sometimes you just have a way of, like, making things work. Like, you know? Me? Like, you set your mind to a thing and you... You you just make it happen. And... Uh... Well, I just... I kind of feel like I just do... Do what my heart tells me. Yeah. Sure, something, uh, uh super uncool like that um but um like I want you to know that I'm not going to let anything happen to um to you if you're in trouble if if things are going bad yeah no I, I I I know that I believe that I what what Nick said really got to you huh about leaving people behind being reckless yeah yeah no i don't i i don't think that at all angus and i i i i I can't i don't know what's going on with nick but i'd like to believe my my heart tells me that he didn't mean it either yeah um yeah so uh that's what i came here to say and we're good right absolutely we're good and then she like grabs your hand again and is like is 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 your hand good is your arm okay yeah it's 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 better it's better now for sure yeah okay good cool screw it and angus leans in and kisses lake ah! <laughs> yeah lake uh, lake doesn't doesn't back up but like the, the glitched outside of her body sort of like flickers purple like a wave of purple goes out and then goes back to the like sort of static twisty mix of colors it's a wave of purple that that partially envelops some of angus as well as they make contact on the one side of his face it's it's very cool (laughs) 
I think that's where we leave that scene. I think that's where we have to leave that scene. What are you? What are you spending? What are you unlocking with that? Yeah. What was? What was that? Um, scene. <laughs> Personal growth. Oh. Clear for style. How are you changing? Who are you learning from? Gain a special from another playbook. Oh, oh nice. baby, what special are you getting? I am gonna get middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> It's too powerful. <laughs> you can't both have it. <laughs> Except Hell yeah, you can. we can. It's in the rules. You absolutely can. Mm. Under any other circumstance, I'd be very annoyed. But the fact that it means that we got to see that kiss that has been foreshadowed for so long. Take your damn ability. <laughs> Is the kiss the fracture? Because we have to mark. I think fracture. that's what it is exactly. Yeah, you have relationships blooming in, like, you know, it's a beautiful moment right now, but yeah, but it's gonna yeah. complicate things for your crew. Um, Sick. I feel yeah. like complicated is just the fracture, maybe then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Guys, I can't. I'm. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So you guys now have both <laughs> of your fracture boxes full, and what this means, uh, if you gain a third fracture, everyone marks one doom. One or more teammates leave the crew, either literally or emotionally. Reconciliation requires a significant sacrifice. Um, You are able to clear these boxes, and there's ways that we can do that, which we will, I hope, get to in our next uh, few runs here. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, y'all are carrying some tension into your next run. One that I'm going to look to buy will will be um, uh, following the track from Trouble at Home. Uh, it'll be Final Warning, mm-hmm. which is clear up to three trouble, an argument, punishment, or ultimatum. What do they want? What do you? What don't they understand? What don't you? Mark one doom. Everyone's taken on a lot of doom lately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> set, the, uh, set the scene for us here. What, where does this confrontation happen? I think it takes place on the, the same night that they get back. And while everyone was sort of breaking off on their own and leaving the truck stop, I think Nick was the last one to stay there, just sort of standing in the parking lot. And I don't quite know how long he stays standing there, but he it's, it's quite a while. And... Eventually, he gets a, a text from his his mom, wondering wondering where he is, and he just like he, he can't really bring himself to move from where he is, and and then he just he has to text her and be like, "I'm I'm out here. Can can you come pick me up?" Oh boy! And like maybe by the time she pulls up, he's like, <laughs> he walked up the truck stop sign, and he's just kind of sitting on top of the sign, silhouetted by the moon, looking out over the prairies. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're, the car pulls up, you, uh, walk your way back down the sign. I don't think she gets out. I think you just, you know, you hear the doors unlock, uh, and you, you go take your place in the passenger seat. Uh, she doesn't say anything. Um, thank you. I just, I I was, I was really tired and I didn't, I didn't know that I could, I could get back into Hillview just on my hoverboard, um. Um, and then I guess maybe they, they sort of sit in silence for a while as the drive goes on. 
there's clearly a lot of tension in the car, like, oof. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think at one point Nick is going to ask, how did dad die? I think she sighs very deeply and pulls the car over. Sweetie, we've been over this. He was coming home from work. The other driver was talking on their brand new phone. They swerved into his lane. And it was a fatal crash. And I know that that's what you've said before, but like, today on this run there was there was a monk and and he mentioned one of the things that i remember from dad, dad's work and and and, and like I, there, what if there's something else here what if what if if you would just let me go through his old things like maybe i could find something and and nick maybe there would be something nick i know you want there to be something i know you want there to be a reason that your dad left us, or was taken from us. It's much easier if there's something to blame. But the truth of the matter is, is it was an accident. And sometimes these things happen. But, but if there's nothing more than, what was, what did I ride a dragon for? What, what did I, what did I get, get burnt in a swamp for? What was I fighting hyper hornets for, mom? That's a good question. Do you think maybe you shouldn't be doing those things anymore? But, uh, but, but it was with my fr- friend and... I already told you that I didn't want you going to other dimensions. Right? Sounds like you were in another dimension, honey. Yes, but I, I, I found... Because I was there, I was able to... Why don't you just want to find out with me? I... You didn't just lose your father. I lost my husband. I think that's where we leave that scene. I think the silence hangs over the rest of the drive. Uh, And I think, without even having to lay out the terms of, of, you know, you're grounded in this and that, Nick understands the trouble that he's in here. This is... This is his final warning. I think with that, uh, we've completed our golden jungle run and we take you now to the final scene of this episode. Shadows dance across the damp, jagged rocks that make up the mouth of the cave and the wind howls out a warning in the distance. From deep in the darkness, several pairs of glowing yellow eyes gaze out patiently, waiting for a subtle shift, an electricity in the air that only they are attuned to. Suddenly, their attention becomes laser-focused. The moment they've been waiting for is finally at hand. Here, in the heart of the waking pits, a portal is opening, and the foolish young slug blasters on the other side of it have no idea how doomed they really are. The meta-terrestrial vampires smile, and their long, crooked fangs glimmer in the light of the silver moon. (laughs) 